What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smart Out Moment Smack Talk podcast. I am your host, as always, Tony Mango, and joining me, as always, are Robert DeFelice. Hello, sports entertainment enthusiasts. Are you not enthused about NXT sports entertaining you? Very much so. As well as Callum Wiggins. I'm up. <laughs> I'm left. Uh, should have gone with I'm right. Then I could have been spinning that into the whole like you know uh, my opinions right or I don't know fucking something else. But you're never right. Two rights don't make a left, guys. Up, up, down, down. We'll get there somewhere. Uh, yeah. If you don't know uh, what we're doing here, it is the pay per view point post show for NXT Takeover 25. We just got done watching that a few minutes ago, and we're gonna give you our first impressions of that event. Five matches on the card, a pre-show to precede that, and uh, we invite you to do the same on the way throughout this whole hour or whatever we're going to be doing. So drop your comments below on the YouTube page and hit that subscribe button and ring that little bell, and if you are listening to this on something that isn't on YouTube, go to the page on smartcutmoment.com, or go to the YouTube for that matter, and leave a comment there. So, first things first, pre-show. I was kind of in and out of it, trying to rush and do 15 jobs at the same time, but I didn't have a single note from what I had seen, and I tried to listen to the majority of it if I wasn't actually actively, like, eyes on the screen, and the only thing that I had written down out of the entire thing was Tommaso Ciampa said that he has been cleared for, quote-unquote, non-active competition or something it was non-contact 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 physical activity for some reason my note went away and that's why i'm like making this up on the spot about that yeah non-contact activity so that is great news to hear because at least he's one step closer to somewhere getting in the ring at some point other than that though i mean i didn't have anything for the pre-show did you guys uh pat mcafee said something and i thought i'd remember it but here we are at the post show, and I don't remember it. Yeah, I've, I I thought the show was happening an hour later than it was, not so I got my time differences mixed up, so I didn't check it out. I managed to correct myself enough time to get there for the main show, but by that point, it was like five minutes left of the kickoff show. So I only saw Tommaso Ciampa being awesome and the back end of the Gargano Adam Cole hype video. Did you guys check out that Target takeover thing? I did not. No. I had watched it a couple days ago because they released it earlier than what they had originally said because they had advertised it as being 6 o'clock tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern, and they put it up like two and a half days ago or something instead. So I was just like, all right, I'll check it out then. And to be honest, I didn't think it was really all that worth to watch. So if you missed it, I don't think you really missed out on a whole lot. But it was still just like an extra little, you know, it's kind of like basically what the video package was, but that they released it ahead of time. That's essentially what it was. So you got to see Gargano take the title to his old stomping grounds. I got that in my head now that I just rearranged pay-per-view stuff. And Adam Cole basically wrestling on house shows saying like, yeah, I'm going to win that title. So that's about it. Uh, Before the actual show 100% started, we're getting that little pre-show hype kind of thing where... The commentators are there, and this is Beth Phoenix's first night as an official TakeOver commentator and everything like that. 
And I thought it was pretty interesting. Nigel said something that I don't know if it was him actually saying it or if it was a prompted line. I'm assuming it was prompted. He said, NXT will prove again that they are the true alternative. Which to me can only be, for the most part, either something that he threw out there and they, they tweaked the wording or that they said, we need you to say this because we need to get this point across of, if you don't like WWE, you should like NXT. The phrasing of the true alternative to me is just sort of like, I don't know, I kind of got a bad taste in my mouth from it. I'm so glad you said that because you justified the news post I made saying that he seemingly took a shot at AEW because that's the way I took it because they're constantly hyping themselves as an alternative, but to go out of your way to say we are the true alternative in pro wrestling, they're that's a shot. I don't know if it's a shot at AEW, but it's definitely acknowledging AEW. Yeah, I don't know if it's really so much like, haha, screw you, AEW sucks, but it's something that they wouldn't have said without AEW having come along, because they never really referred to themselves as something that is really can be taken into the context of, if you don't like what we're doing on Raw and SmackDown, pay attention to this thing. They really didn't do that before. It was mo- more so like, NXT is a great source for action, or just all positives, not any kind of negative implication. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's something you're going to hear a lot going forward as they kind of realize that they need to throw the hype machine behind NXT because NXT can at least compete with AEW in an in-ring and alternative capacity because the main roster just isn't right now. I'd, I'd say more as a shot against WWE more than AEW. Really? It, it just like seemed like we're the true alternative for sports entertainment. I know it does reference the fact that AEW sees themselves as the new alternative coming forward, but I think you wouldn't be saying that if you didn't think there was a need for an alternative. And so it's basically saying, yeah, if you don't like WWE, because why would you like WWE? You should check us out instead. It's it's again it's it's I think it's it's both ta- it's taking shots at both of them because it's saying if you want an alternative then look at us not AEW and of course you want an alternative because WWE sucks. So you kind of take it more as maybe like Triple H putting that out there as like look guys I know. Well, I mean, <laughs> Let's stick you with see, us. I mean you can tell by I don't know we'll talk about it later on but like the Tyler Breeze and Velveteen Dream hype package it was basically them taking shots at the fact that the main roster completely ruined Tyler Breeze. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he he is taking shots at Vince in any way that he possibly can. Meanwhile, Vince is looking at it and going, that's some good shit. <laughs> that's good shit, Hunter. That's so you. <laughs> that's so you, Hunter. <laughs> Take uh, me down, yes. Uh, Yeah, so how did you guys feel about Beth? I liked her. She does not. Better than Percy uh, Watson. She adds nothing to commentary except the female voice. I, I think mean, that it's, she's it's gotten hard. quite a bit better since when she was on the um, Mayon Classic. I just, I just, you don't need three people in commentary. No, no I'll just keep do. saying that. But like, there it must be a mandate that they need three people because no brand doesn't have the three people. 
For that matter, I don't think you need two people if you got Maro and Alo. I mean, I still have been saying for the longest time I'm not the biggest fan of Nigel, but at the same time, Maro has enough energy and enough uh, skill and knowledge that he could just riff on his own. Yeah, I'm sure he could, but I don't mind. Like, I'm a bigger fan of Nigel, so I'm happy for him to be part of it. I just think that both... she's She is better than Percy Watson was, but they're both just there to add... It's just because of like saying words for the sake of words. Maro is than... chocolate. You know, Nigel's strawberry, and there must be vanilla, so it's that third slot. See, I like vanilla ice cream the best out of that. So yeah, that doesn't surprise <laughs> me. I don't know why. For some reason, that seems like very you, Tony. <laughs> is it because I'm like pale as all hell? <laughs> um, for that matter, while we're talking about commentary, Nigel seems. Like, he's forcingly being over-enthusiastic. I don't mean this in a bad way. It just seems like he's somebody who grew up listening to Jim Ross and Vince McMahon being so over-the-top that he's trying to emulate that. And more so on the Vince McMahon side, I think. But I I don't say that because he was like that when he was commentating for Ring of Honor. So I don't think he's changed his style just because he wants to be Vince Man. That's just like the style that he wants to put forward and he's been consistent with it. Whether you That's like fair. it or not is a, is another matter, but I don't think he's changed it due to the fact that he's being on NXT. No, but he might have approached that as the style from that inspiration to begin with, even in yeah, our age. Yeah, and whether you like that or not is down to your own personal preference, but I don't think... I don't, I don't think he's fake. Maybe... I don't think he's faking the enthusiasm. I just think he's exaggerating it. I need to hear him say unbelievable and oh my god, what a ride. <laughs> uh, and final note on announcer people. I like the I like the new ring announcer, Alicia. Alicia Taylor? Yeah. I'm I not too really sure how to assess her yet. It was, fu- it was fine. Like She did the typical She's already been trained in typical WWE announcer style to rush through the one full thing so the crowd can't cheer along because yeah. why would you give the crowd something to have fun with? <laughs> it, that is weird that they just, they won't even let them do it anymore, you know? But it's immediately like, just just run right through it. I mean, part of me, I, part, it's not, I, part of me understands that more than some other things they do to annoy the crowd because essentially it's the crowd trying to make it about themselves, which I think a lot of WWE and NXT fans are entitled in that way. With the things like the 10 count outside the ring, even though yeah, time they're just long gone. The uh, When when they chant things like, they, they obviously didn't do that in this show, but when they chant things like, we are awesome or stuff like that, it's like, it's when that, it's that point I just go, well, you deserve to see some shit then because that's what that's what you're all about then. I don't know. I'm kind of like 50-50 on that. I think that if the crowd doesn't have enough to keep themselves interested to not do that, then it's WWE's fault for not putting on a better show. That's true. But if it is a show like NXT where they are delivering stuff and they still do that kind of thing, then you just go in. Then they're just being douches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the one thing, to... that's, that's harmless. Oh, yeah, that's harmless. I've, I've started to um, really turn on the... Uh, the uh, too sweet thing. After I've yeah. never been a big fan of the too sweet thing. 
and I understand the reason for it, but the reason is dumb. And it just means that you're not actually paying attention to the near fall. You're just waiting for the two to go so you can do your silly charm. What about Kevin Nash? <laughs> I wonder if he gets royalties every time that's it. <laughs> He's good at uh, manipulating deals, so he might have figured yeah. that out. Nope, they own the click. I'm pretty <laughs> sure the only person getting royalties for a two suite are Vince McMahon, Triple H, and maybe if they're being nice, Shawn Michaels. Hmm. Well, our first match on the uh, on the card was Matt Riddle against Roderick Strong. I thought it was a very, very good pace. Uh, Hard-hitting kind of action, more so than I thought that it would be even. Really liked it. Thumbs up. Matt Riddle wins by well, pinfall. I didn't. That's the only thing I didn't like. Because it seemed to establish, once again, you need to have a pinfall finisher. You can't. Just have a submission guy, even though Matt Riddle should totally just be a submission or knockout guy. You know? Well, he did I, I, win his first match against uh, Cassius Ono with a pinfall. No, he didn't. He won by knockout. Didn't he, like, hit him so well, hard he... in the head? That... No, he pinned him after that. Ah. Oh. Okay. I am fully with the idea that you should have multiple finishes. Mm-hmm. Every wrestler should have three to four finishes or like big signature moves that occasionally win matches against smaller guys. Like if Matt Riddle was having a TV match against Conan Reeves, he should be able to beat him with some kind of suplex or something like that, just because it ma- it makes near falls more significant. Otherwise, you're just waiting for them to do their one move before the match is over. I can agree with that. So I, I'm happy with them establishing this. I don't even know what to call it because it's like it looks. Originally, like it's going to be some sort of cradle tombstone pile driver, but then he it lands on Roddy's back instead. So, so that makes it look weaker to me. It doesn't look. It basically looks like a really convoluted looking power slam. Oddly enough, uh, Mora repeated the phrase "bro, Derek." twice and i don't know what uh 62 year old actress bo derrick has to do with anything that happened there unless she spent a lot of time on her back so i don't know well the one thing with maro <laughs> that you either that you, that you either love or hate is that he'll get any reference that he possibly can into his commentary as tenuous as it is He's just like, all right, what came out this week? Godzilla? All right, I'm going to get King Ghidorah in there somewhere. <laughs> I'm gonna... He did. Yep. It happens. This, this match had a very um, New Japan feel to, to me. Very hard hitting, very strong style type of match. Like They were bo- both doing a lot of striking, which I think is interesting because a lot of other matches, you, you obviously see the strikes and the super kicks and all the other stuff, but then it's into a load of holds and rest holds. Where this was kind of, they were doing suplexes and slams every now and again, but the rest of it was just beating the shit out of each other. And that made it look really real. Like, you could kind of watch this and think, these two might be kind of handy in a cage. And obviously we know Matt Riddle is handy in a cage, but Roddy was right there with him. Yeah, I thought, I thought this was really well well told, really physical, really aggressive, and establishing a new finisher is good. 
and fighting out the submissions was really good as well. So, yeah, I thought this was a great match, great opener. I really enjoyed the upkicks to Roddy and how they utilized that MMA style for Riddle instead of the way they do it for Lesnar and that he just steamrolls everybody. I kind of walked out of this match thinking that this was better than I expected it to be a little bit. I mean, I thought that it was going to be good, but I didn't expect it to be, to be as good as it was. And I was like, all right, well, if that's the baseline, then we're off to a great, great start. And I will say it wasn't my least favorite match of the night, and it wasn't my favorite match of the night. It was um, my number two favorite. Or my number two least favorite, that's what I should say. That's the opposite way I've done that. My brain scattered. Sorry, everybody. And uh But that's I, I still that's not a five match card though. Like this is still a great match. That's the thing, is this ended up being like this set the good a good tone for the rest of the night. And since this ended up being my second least favorite match, that already means like that's pretty awesome. And it's very close to the other one, too, so it's not even like, oh, the other one's garbage or anything, because that wasn't the case. I actually really enjoyed every match on this card. So, spoiler alert for that. I'm going to give them all thumbs up. Uh, I think that this was a good way of establishing Matt Riddle as somebody who I think is going to be potentially the next champion. We're going to get on that in a little bit. But how do you guys feel on they're going to take Roderick Strong after this? Is this leaning in any particular direction, or is this just, eh, sometimes you lose? And then let's He's getting on. that North American title. No, I, I don't want to talk about it until the main event. Okay. All right. We'll hold All off right. on that because I, I agree kind of with both of you, <laughs> oddly enough. Uh, usually we have a thing in the crowd where they'll show off somebody from the WWE main roster in some capacity. You know, it's like Charlotte's in the crowd and she's watching it. Yay. And then she's sitting in the same seat as somebody else. So they'll just like, you know, cycle them through. Sometimes it's people that are new to the company. This time around, we did the Legends thing. It's Road Dog and Shawn Michaels, which gives even more credibility to the idea that Road Dog is working in NXT now. And that's been a rumor that's been going around for a little while. Makes sense. If he did not like the way that SmackDown was working, and if he wanted to stick with WWE, why not work in NXT? So Just go with your buddy and have fun. Yeah. Seemed like he was having fun. And uh, the girl next to HBK just like didn't know how to process that, which is kind of like kind of funny. I hope that his that Road Dog's introduction into the NXT team hasn't coincided with NXT TV being a little off recently. No, uh, in regards no, they... to in regards to the like the the Viking Raiders surrendering their championship as opposed to doing the match the how Bianca Belair seems to have been dragged into a 50-50 booking scenario with me. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not huge. It's not like the shows are bad by any stretch of the imagination, but it just, it doesn't, it isn't quite as good as it was at the start of the year. No, I don't think that that's him. I think that that is with the tag title situation. I feel like it's kind of like what we were talking about with the predictions. I feel like that whoever made that call is the same person who made the call about uh, Asuka and Ember Moon. And I think it's even more so backed up with what happened here. And then Bel Air, I think. Uh, we more get back to Bel Air a little bit. Um, but yeah, the next match on the card was the Fatal 4-Way ladder match for the vacant NXT Tag Team Championship. 
And I had said before, I wasn't feeling these teams because Lorcan and Birch, they're good in the ring, but they don't have that pizzazz. Forgotten Sons, who cares? And I really like the Street Profits, and I really like the Undisputed Era, but I just, more than anything, Forgotten Sons was just like, "Eh, really? We're down to the Forgotten Sons? And I had said, I hope I'm wrong, and if I go into it not expecting too much, they're going to prove me wrong. I'm very glad that they proved me wrong, because this one, I have have more notes for this than I have anything for the whole night. This match was fucking tremendous. And not that I expected anything less, because it's NXT, it's a ladder match, but they managed to accomplish quite a lot. And I messaged you this, Tony, I will watch the Kyle O'Reilly show all day long, because Kyle was the MVP of this match. O'Reilly, more than anybody, and more as time goes on, when he first came in, I was like, ah, this is just like one of those generic dudes. Like, he's just milk toast, the same as everybody else. He's around the same height, just a brunette white dude, around the same build, wrestles the same type of style. Next. Kind of wrote him off like that. The sillier he gets and the more he wrestles and everything, the more I'm like, this dude's the the type of guy that, like, in, like, 11th grade in high school just suddenly breaks out of his shell and you're just like, what the hell? How did he, where did this guy come from? Like Kyle Riley's fucking awesome. And I mean, I well along in the past, I realized that he was great in the ring and all that, but yeah, he more and more is like the standout for everything. And that's great. Cause one of the first notes that I had written down for this was during the entrances, everyone felt so pumped and you could tell that they were really proud to be out there and totally psyched to put on a great show. And I felt, that excitement from them. And I guess more than anybody came from Kyle O'Reilly. And as the match went on, I started to realize this is either a vindication or redemption story for a lot of the people in the match. Wesley Blake, who had been on a lot of takeovers in the beginning and then went away. This was Steve Cutler's first takeover. You know, Angela Dawkins and Montez Ford finally got on a takeover. Bobby Fish finally got back into the tag team scene with Kyle. This was like everybody proving that they belong. Do you guys agree or disagree on this? This is the best thing that Wesley Blake has done. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not really uh, saying much, really. Oh, I will say, I think this match would have been better if it was Blake and Murphy. Yeah, I, I, mean, don't, I don't think it would have changed too much. Just be split. I mean, obviously, Buddy Murphy's much oh, has proven to be a much better commodity, but it's just a case of... It, it, he, I don't think he fits into the Forgotten Sons gimmick. No, no, I said Blake and Murphy. I'm imagining this is a scenario where Cutler and Riker go away. See, I really liked Riker in this. Right, Riker was awesome in this match. Like, obviously, he's like the other commodity, but he made he was made to look like a total monster, mm-hmm. just wrecking everybody on his own. Obviously, they'd already been involved in the match for a while. The crowd really got 
like heated behind him because they were didn't want him to be the reason why the Forgotten Sons won the match, and they desperately didn't win, want the Forgotten Sons to win the match. Yeah, I loved which, how which, when they were like, getting to the point where people were like, "Uh-oh, people are starting to boo," and they're just like, "Oh no, no." And, that, no, play, and that. that played into it. That played into the actual story of the match, which I thought was really good. And but when they all started taking him out, and they all just teamed up, they all had to team up to get rid of him, mm-hmm. and he kept coming back like Frankenstein's monster, like Riker. As much as I think the Forgotten Sons like you, Tony, are just very forgettable and like just don't stand out at all, he stands out. And he's the only one that could potentially have a future both in NXT and on the main roster. Yeah, I liked how, and I didn't understand what they were doing at first. I think it was uh, Guest 5 who cleared it up in the Mega Maniacs chat when they were chanting, we forgot you at him in mm. the ring. So they're getting behind that. Takes Speaking three teams to gang up on him, so that made him look really strong. He looked like a beast. Mm. But speaking of chance, did you, did you guys catch the yowie wowie chance in this? Match? Yeah. First they were saying holy shit, and then it transitioned into yowie wowie. So didn't, that I, didn't register to me. That's funny. That that is at least tell, tells me that Bray Wyatt's gimmick is over, and he's going to be a big deal when he comes back. At least yowie wowie is over. Oh yeah. <laughs> But like that's that's same with like the S chant or the ten gimmick. It means that he's going to get a big. The crowd are going to be behind him from the get go, which is a good sign for him. But uh, like yeah, this match was just complete chaos in the best possible way. Like you could probably just list all of the different spots that took place. Uh, I was hoping that we'd get the frog splash off the top of the ladder, but maybe that was a bit too dangerous, especially considering how much elevation Montez Ford gets. You got it in the promo. Which I thought was odd, but um, yeah, you had spots like uh, like two Doomsday devices of different styles, like back to back. You had uh, like the Street Profits do their version of the um, the team oh. angle. Yeah, the the Hassan Benjamin like leapfrog over the top onto the ladder. That was cool. Uh, that uh, German suplex by um, Bobby Fish with the codebreaker. Uh, yeah. Just like descending, uh, I think it was Ford, just mm-hmm. right, like almost up the entire length of the ladder was just incredible. And there were things that weren't really necessarily supposed to go the way that they went that looked even more brutal, too. Like when Blake did his suicide dive, he went head first into the fucking ladder. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, dude, you did not put your hands up well enough. Uh, Dawkins jumping off the top rope on everyone on the outside. I was kind of surprised about that. It's pretty standard and not the you know most uh grandiose thing but that was where i'm like okay maybe we are not gonna have like the absolute best match and then the next thing you know they're doing things like blake is pushing the undisputed era off and o'reilly's back just lands on the ladder like it looked like Mm. it hurt like a son of a bitch and it it cut him up too Mm -hmm. i mean it it could have been a lot worse for kyle o'reilly when you had uh, Lorcan and Birch do that double, double German suplex spot, and the ladder almost decapitated him by flying across the ring towards him. You managed no, to get Bobby Fish. Quick. That was Fish oh, on there, yeah. No, and he, I thought that it was, was Fish. Kyle, yeah. Oh, well, Kyle. whoever it was. Uh, yeah, that's like, that looked dangerous as hell. And you've got the Lee Prague, you got the German suplex, you got Fish falling on top of Kyle O'Reilly. And I thought that he actually busted a tooth. Because he had spit something out so much, and then I thought that he was bleeding from his mouth, and I'm like, oh fuck, he landed on his like knee on the mouth or something. But uh, Riker's one thing that I will say on this one, he did not want to catch people. 
Nope. He did not catch Montez Ford with that plancha, and he did not catch Tony Lurkin. He whiffed on those. I think in 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 fairness with the Montez Ford one, I think Montez Ford came up short. Yeah. On his jump. So I think Riker had to move forward to try and catch him, which obviously makes it look slightly bad because it means that he's ha- it looks like he's trying to catch him. But I, I agree with the um, only Lorcan one as well. He probably need to get a bit more behind it. But then again, it's a 200 or something pound guy flying through the air on top of you and you've got nobody else to support you doing it. So I can kind of understand it. It's not quite Miz dropping our truth, that sort of thing. Um, Montez Ford in this match was almost to level Kyle O'Reilly where he must have just been so ready and so proud and hyped that at one point early in the match but he takes a bump and the referee literally says slow down yeah I heard that (laughs) yeah like and five minutes later he's diving onto uh, Riker and lands mostly back first on the Concrete. You know what it reminded me of when Drew McIntyre was in the We All See match, <laughs> where it's like, "Oh, you're just jumping into nothing, aren't you?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ford and O'Reilly and Riker were the three standouts to this, and all the other people played their parts super well too. Though that's the thing; it wasn't like a three man show. This was everybody doing something. Even somebody like a Cutler, who I have never been the biggest fan of Cutler. He did his part perfectly fine when it was like, if it's time to take a bump, he took the bump, you know? They, were, they did a really cool scorpion death drop and kind of curb stomp on the chest double team. Uh, I also like, they kept talking to each other throughout the match, but in the way that a team would, like when they're doing the double ladder on the next spot, you literally hear them saying, okay, now turn as if they're working together as a team, not like, all right, we had the spot worked out for the last five hours, you know? I like yeah. that a lot. We're not going into the choreographed spot. We're telling each other on the fly to do it. Yeah. I got, I got the feeling both from the previous match and this match that it, it's amazing that in, in the Undisputed Era, you have the guy on top who's a wrestler, and then you've got three guys surrounding him who are fighters. Because these guys look like they could all handle themselves in an actual fighting situation whereas adam cole is just a wrestler (laughs) he's a great wrestler but he's just a wrestler that's fair and we had this whole setup of the whole idea that forgotten sons were being toyed uh around with with the whole like uh or that the crowd was being toyed around with with the forgotten sons where it's like you know uh uh-oh they're gonna win massive pop with montez ford's springboard and Street Profits come out on top, and the crowd was super into that, which is always great to hear. You saw solo cups go flying. What a cool visual. What a genuinely emotional moment. Like, they were just cloud nine, and I couldn't have asked for a better way to have them win it, you know? I think that they still could have won it with Viking Raiders being involved because that's where that Ember Moon Oscar thing comes in with me. It's like you couldn't have them beat them. I know that Viking Raiders are like a big deal that you're trying to make it seem like they're like unbeatable and everything, but you know, 
it just that's twice now that we've had that happen where it's been like have a champion look like they've got a particular person that is going to be the next champion but don't have them win have them get rid of the title and they could beat somebody else and it's like don't do that a third time you know yeah i like the, ce- the celebration in the crowd though is just it's the ultimate babyface way to deal with this thing and it's like it's incredible that they've been around for quite a while but this was their first takeover match yeah they get to win the championships get to celebrate with the crowd all behind them. Yeah, it's it's a, a really good moment for them. One that's long overdue for how talented they've like proven to be as, as a unit. Well, I'm really hoping that they get a really solid title reign going forward because, I mean, when you've got the talent that they've got going on with a lot of different things, like they are over with the crowd. They are fun to watch. If they would have been overlooked pretty much any longer that would have been probably the death knell for them and this is the thing that makes them go okay well at the beginning of the year they were talking about how they would win the championships and now they actually fulfilled it which is awesome big fan of that Mm -hmm. uh let's see that took us into the north american title match that was velveteen dream defending against tyler breeze and i again i mentioned this before Really liked this match a whole lot, too. I was disappointed in the entrances. I'll have to admit that. There wasn't a whole lot of flair to it that I really kind of expected them to have. But something about this match that made me kind of come to terms with something that I... like. I've liked Velveteen Dream from the start. I liked Patrick Clark in Tough Enough. And I kind of realized maybe during this what it is about him that I like that adds a level of something else to his matches he makes it seem real there's a little bit of clumsiness to what he does and we were talking about with the tag title match if you have a tag team title uh, a tag team that is kind of explaining things to each other in the ring and you can tell that they're working together that seems real velveteen dream taking a fall or getting kicked and landing kind of awkwardly I believe that more than if, you know, you get a scenario where somebody takes a drop kick and they conveniently fall the exact same way as they were told to fall when you take a drop kick. I like it when he does things that look a little sloppy because then that's like, all right, that's not choreographed as much, you know? Oh, yeah, I get that. I, th- I think um, he's obviously always been extremely athletic. He knows a lot about the wrestling business. He's shown that in Tough Enough as a big fan of the business. He's now really starting to pick up psychology at a rate of knots, where he's really proving to be excellent at telling stories in the ring more than even when he was, like in the early days when he was having those matches with Alistair Black, which were obviously very well told in terms of the storyline and creative perspective. But now, just matches in the ring, he can lead them a little bit more. I don't think he's he's quite at that level where he's obviously not a veteran yet and he can't lead matches on his own. He needs somebody else there to help him with aspects of it, but he's he's gaining a lot of confidence in terms of just as a as a potential ring general in the future. It does obviously help having Tyler Breeze in the ring with you. Yeah, who, and who definitely knows what, what he's doing. showing for Breeze who as we mentioned in the video package, they did not shy away from the fact that they 
shit on Breeze in the main roster. And it feels good to know that Tyler Breeze is back in a position where he can carry matches and actually give something back and give something to the fans. Because while the fashion files were great, at the end of the day, we're watching wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, he is the type of person that many people wrote off as being a failure in a way that really isn't his fault because he's proven now this has been multiple years. It's not like he went up to the main roster and a year later he went back down and whatever. He was somebody who was a very talented NXT superstar. Everybody seemed like they were on board with this idea of him going up to the main roster and getting his big push. He had this feud with Dolph Ziggler. It could have gone somewhere and it didn't. And then he just didn't do anything for multiple years. Now that he's back at NXT, he hasn't lost a step. So he had it this whole time and they just didn't let him do it. So he seems like he's having more of a fun, passionate time. Velveteen Dream was doing his best in this match the way that he normally does. So it wasn't like that this was not where they were going, and he was kind of like, oh, all right, well, I was planning for the Dijakovic thing, and let's just do this and get it out of the way. You could tell that he's having a lot of fun with it, too. He's playing up the heel part of it, but they're working with the crowd to make sure that they don't hate Velveteen Dream. I mean, they're chanting at the end that they want a selfie between the two of them. That goes to show that they pulled that off. What was it that uh, Breeze had happened to him that made his ear all bloody? Do you guys know? No, Maybe I didn't, I didn't bouncing the head off the table. Yeah, that I mean he was. I, I I didn't see anything in particular. It could have been a multitude of things where he had to take a bump to his head. Whether it was the announce table thing, whether it's the um, the dream D, like the dream DDT dream DT. stuff. Yeah, dream DT. I I've noticed this more, like especially on this show, more than any other. Everybody's not, everybody's moves have names now. It's good yeah, for certain people. But I don't like it when you have no flow to it. Like, I don't understand why Matt Riddle's finisher is the bro mission. It's like, sub is not the same as bro. There needs to be a little bit of, like, fluidity to it, you know? But at least it has the word omission. Which would be good if that had anything to do with submissions. Yeah. I was just like, I was like, wait a minute, am I not realizing that? And then I'm like, no, it still doesn't work. <laughs> But Kurt Angle's have... retired. I'll give him the ink lock and call it the ink bro lock. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> still get there. I, I think, um, I mean, we talked about the previous thing about um, Nigel Guinness saying about um, linking to AEW. Uh, Velveteen Dream doing the line salt was a little bit on the nose for this match. More Especially specifically, to... uh, Mauro Ronaldo calling it something else. He didn't call it a lion salt. Well, he called it the Asai Moonsault, which is what it also... It's, it's, it's his official name that Jared Coe obviously gave the name the Lion Salt to. And upon seeing it, I thought, oh, well, this is clearly a shot at AEW because it's clear that uh, Velveteen Dream has never done a Lion Salt in his life before because that didn't look particularly good at all. <laughs> it was fine, but it was like, okay, I'm standing on the ropes for a second because I'm worried about how this is going to look, and then I do it, and it just about connects, but I almost went about halfway across, like, two-thirds across the ring. So, I, d I don't think he should add that to his repertoire going forward. 
I do like the idea that he does these little homages, though. And if he's got some other things that he can pull out in the future, like if he just starts doing like Dean Ambrose homages, then it's like, that's kind of funny. You know, he's always having fun. And that's what's really cool. Yeah. He's always yeah. on the pulse of the audience, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Um, I don't know how to really like break this match because I, I know it was a very good match. I think it was a case of like, I wanted to love this match, but I ended up, ended up like liking it. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe I went in with too high expectations about it, but it it still was like, I'm not, I'm not going to deny it was a, a very good match. Uh, maybe if they were to do more down the line, but I think they, they seemingly have seemed to have just ended it with the selfie. Like once uh, Dream retained. Maybe um, if it didn't have to follow those two banger matches. Yeah, I think the crowd was a little bit more muted for this one compared to the previous two. Especially following the ladder match was always going to be a tricky task anyway. I feel like it would have been better off if they would have switched the women's match here. Potentially. But I think they. I think they... They've kind of stuck with not so much rigidly, but in, at least in recent times of the women's match at the semi-main event. Yeah, it makes sense. And yeah. I mean, I'm not crapping on the women's match either. That was my least favorite match of the night, and this uh, the North <clears throat> the North American title match was my number three. But that's I mean, if you got five good matches, and it's kind of like how do we maximize something to take an A minus into an A? Then it's like, all right, we're nitpicking, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, no. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think it'd be something that I would watch back like in a couple of months' time and like a lot more, mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe it was just like in the moment it just didn't feel as big as I was hoping it to be. But it was still good. It was still very, well, very good. But maybe I was also a bit confused. Like the finish was a little bit convoluted. It's very sudden. Not it's like, like sudden can be a good thing, but this sort of just happened like. Oh wait, he tried to hit him with the belt. What? And then, uh, Dream Driver into the Purple Rainmaker, and I tease Tony about Velveteen's a heel. He's a heel. Yeah. But they didn't do anything with that going forward. It just seems like, all right, the veteran came up short, and it's clearly the Velveteen Dream's time. So this is where it comes into what we were talking about earlier with a certain regard. I mean, we're still going to hold off on some of that discussion, but Roderick Strong, I think, has a really strong chance at being the next North American champion. Pun intended. Huh, didn't even realize that. <laughs> it took me a second. Uh, I think they're going back to Dijakovic. Dijakovic, or He's out for nine months. Yeah, he's out for a oh. while. Uh, that that, 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 that idea then uh i i I don't think it's going to be strong though i think i think there are i i think that when you look further down the card you've got people like kashida need something to do you've got uh uh keith lee is back and probably looking for opportunities as well uh jackson marika should be in this sort of picture at this point in time now so I think there's other options out there. I wouldn't be shocked at all if at the next tapings we see two titles change hands. You think we're going right to that vision? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Would uh, not shock me at all if we see uh, Street Profits lose and Velveteen Dream lose. I'm going to suggest next takeover, Kushida versus Tyler Breeze in the opener. See, this is, yeah, that's also what I was kind of thinking is obviously we can talk about what would happen in the North American Championship. I think Tyler Breeze is now heading straight for the Cassius Ono territory. Yeah, probably. He's, he's now the gatekeeper of NXT with Cassius Ono in NXT UK. That It's now Tyler Breeze's job to be the veteran who sees all the new guys through. I can Which definitely means- see that being the case. And every once in a while, getting close to some kind of a shot at a belt and losing, but maybe not necessarily even competing for a title at any more takeover events. No, I'd, I'd be surprised if we even see uh, Breeze competing at many takeovers going forward. I know it's the idea of... That's not- I don't think that's entirely good, even though I know that's the perfect role for him and he'll take pride in it. He deserves a little bit of a run. Well, at the end of the day, like if he if he deserves it, then he can earn it. He's only been back a couple of weeks. If he, if he proves to be at the same level that... Obviously, this match was a good start, but if he continues to prove that he's at that level still, then I'm sure he will get more opportunities, but you've kind of got to start from scratch again. Yeah. How did, how did you guys feel about this Damian Priest vignette? Because that is Punishment Martinez. They said before that he was changing his name to that. They kind of pushed that off to the side a little bit when they rearranged uh, the Gargano feud. And uh, he was going to be feuding with Adam Cole, but they kind of just said, like, yeah, let's just not air that and whatever. And now they're kind of pushing him as somebody to be like a brand new person, sort of. Feeling it? I- I think it's good. You know, fresh starts are always good, especially for a guy like Punishment Martinez, who I'll just say it, that name was stupid. And he's mid-30s, I believe, already. So you have to work quickly to maximize the potential. But we've said this before, he's Baron Corbin that can wrestle. <laughs> I, I think... Um... I mean, we kind of wait to see. It was only like a 15-second clip. So it's hard to really gauge what his character is going to be besides the fact that he gets tattoos. So What was his character before? Well, as far as I'm... Well, from what I saw on Ring of Honor and stuff like that, he was kind of just a big, scary, like, killing machine. And he has tattoos. Oh, yeah, and he has tattoos, obviously. But... He used to be guy who has tattoos. Now he's guy who has tattoos and continues getting tattoos. <laughs> I thought there was a rumor going around that WWE wasn't like, allowing tattoos anymore. Well, how Just does certain... that work with certain guys? Yeah, certain tattoos, if you're Aleister Black. <laughs> but it's just a case of, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he'll be... He, he was very good in Ring of Honor. I, sh- I assume he'll be very good on the main roster. We're just interested to see what they do with him. It kind of, it kind of, maybe I'm reading too much into it. It looked kind of like the Dean Ambrose New Japan promo video in terms yeah. of like the little like nice things that he had in his hands and stuff like that. I think that might have been a little bit of a play on that. Yeah, I can see that. Well, how fast do you think they shot the promo? Uh, could have been, well, with, with their production ability and like the rate in which they can work, I could see them do, doing it in the last week or so. 
I mean, it wasn't too complicated. It wasn't too long. So, nah, they could have done that over the course of a short amount of time. Yeah, but you never know. And maybe that was, it was just a, a weird coincidence. Yeah. Either way, that didn't do much for me to be all like, oh, Damien Priest, whoa. But I'll give him a shot, you know. I mean, I haven't seen anything from him that I've disliked. So maybe we're going to get seen be up kind of recently. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we moved on to the NXT Women's Championship. Shayna Baszler successfully retaining against Io Shirai. I said before, this was my least favorite match of the card, but that's still really good. Like, I still really enjoyed this match. It's just a matter of, I didn't think that it had the same amount of flair. And part of that might have just been that I had watched three matches ahead of time that were, like, lots of energy, full force, hard strikes. And they started this one off a little bit on the slower side. So it's like, you know what? Okay, that's not a problem to a certain regard. And more than anything, this one was really good with the ring psychology because it's Shayna Baszler, so she knows what she's doing. And I still liked it quite a bit, though. That's the thing. Yeah, I thought the match was good. They were telling a lot of stories here with Candice. And you felt like that's where they're going next. They're going to go to Candice. But then Io beats the shit out of Shayna after she loses. So they're sticking with that, I guess. I don't know. Good match, though. Yeah, I thought it was... I like the fact that Shirai was kept very serious throughout the entire thing. Obviously, she enters with the smile on her face and everything, but as soon as she's in the ring with Baszler, the smile's completely gone. The slap across the face early was a good way to just get the crowd excited about it. And then you're straight into the Baszler psychology of using the... like, damaging the elbow very quickly, going to work on it. Mix in a few high spots from Io Shirai, but a lot of, like, actual just brawling as I wanted it to be. So, yeah, it was really good. I like one of the nice, like, little touches I liked was Shirai did a um, bridging German suplex at some point and had to release it because she'd had her her arm worked over. So that's, like, just a really, just a little detail which shows they're really paying attention to how the match is laid out. Uh, I didn't like so much the um, the reference that Marinello gave on commentary of uh, love the smell of napalm in the morning. Uh, seemingly confusing the fact that Io Shirai is Japanese and not Vietnamese, but <laughs> like, yeah, just American history, you know. You think it he just watched Apocalypse Now, or then just yeah, was like, course. yeah, let's bring this up or something? Which everybody yeah, misquotes that movie to begin with, anyway. Yeah, yeah, she's some kind of Asian. I can fit this line into. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that wasn't what his philosophy was. But yeah, I think. Um, I'm not so sure about like the, these extended weights in Shayna Baszler's submission hold. I think more often than not, she should be making people tap out or pass out very quickly in the hold. And only yeah, on special occasions should it be... I don't know, takeovers are only special occasions and there's only five of them a year, so maybe you can get away with doing that every takeover. But I didn't think I didn't think it added anything to have Io Shirai hold on for, like... 30 seconds as opposed to holding on for 10, let's say. They were determined to make EO a star here because I felt the same, that she was in that hold for forever. And then just as Shane is celebrating, out comes the kendo stick 
And at first, I thought it must have been Candace beating her up. But they seem to really want to push EO. This this made EO come across as incredibly bitter. Yeah. Like, like yeah. a very sore loser action to yep. do. Because even though she was distracted during the match by the arrival of um, uh, Jasmine Duke, Duke and Marinchvit, yeah, they, they, they obviously paid her attention well, but Candice LeRae was there to even the odds, so it meant the distraction was minimal. And she was able to get like in a level pegging situation with uh, Baszler, and she lost when Baszler uh, countered one of her holds into her submission. It's like, that's a, that's a reasonably clean way of winning the match. And yet she decided to go on the warpath of Candlestick because she was upset of losing, not because she got screwed. They even kind of made it a point to point out the idea that she wasn't focused on Shayna Baszler. And I forget if it was Morrow or if it was Nigel or actually it might have even been Beth, but I'm pretty sure it was Morrow saying the idea of like, why is she paying attention to Duke and Shafir? Candace has this covered turn around and that's like, all right, well, it's your own fault then, you know? You sit there watching Candace beat them up like you're a spectator. You're in a match. So her doing that whole attack afterward, I don't know where they're going to go with that. Does that mean that they just kind of keep this going and drag it out even more? Because I hope not. And I also don't think that that's going to be the case. I think that Mia Yim's challenging for the belt at Toronto. And maybe since this has a little bit of time left before that, because Toronto is... um. Uh, was it August? What? About six weeks away. So yeah, six weeks. So if they've got the whole six weeks that they need to do some kind of a build for some other things and work some other people into the mix in the meantime I and all that. that up. It's like 10 weeks. Okay. I thought it was a little bit longer than that, but uh, maybe that's where, what is the, the taping schedule? It's something like July 14th or so. I think June 30th is the next taping. I'm totally in June. June 12th is a taping, and so is the 13th. That's where I'm getting into the mix here. And then they're doing another one sometime in July. I don't have that written down off the top of my head. Uh, I would assume that would be the case. So they're going to have to do something in the meantime before getting into the mix of everything else like that. Oh, August 15th. That's what it is. Yeah. So I'm assuming Io Shirai is just going to continue this just to fill in time, and then they're going to build up Mia Yim. Yeah, I, th- I think they'll have some sort of um, hardcore no disqualification type match mm-hmm. at, at the tapings at some point where um, they'll do some sort of shenanigans thing where it's it's no DQ, but it's only between those two, where it's it's only a disqualification if Shafir or Duke or Larray get involved. So it's between those two. But and any, anything else goes as long as it's just those two in the ring. And I don't then, even think they're going to do anything that crazy. I think they're just going to have an ODQ match and then they're going to come out and do all that all over again. Maybe, but then I think that would be a transition for like Baszler to retain again. You build up Mia Yim as the next challenger, and then you turn EO on Candice, and that's the other feud. Hmm. I think. They definitely have an Extreme Rules match within two or three weeks on NXT TV. Mia Yim fights Candice. Winner goes to Toronto, and I still think it's going to Candice. I think they're going with Candice at War Games. How much longer can you wait, though? Like, she needs to do something. Well, that's why. Well, that's why I think she's going into the feud with Io. 
because EO will snap based on the fact that she loses another title opportunity. She'll turn on Candice. They'll have, hopefully, I mean, I would like to see, and I know there's only ever like five matches on takeovers, but I would like to see Candice and EO as one of the matches on takeover Toronto, and then you have Mia Yim and Shayna Baszler in another match. I'm sure you could do that. I know there's a lot of male talent on the roster that needs to get on there as well, but it's getting a little stale with the fact that there's only ever one women's match on takeovers at this point. Has Candice never participated in a takeover? No. She did. Well, in I guess match, like... Tony. Yeah, she, she's never oh, been on a main card like, match, no. Actually, like in a match, no. I don't think she has. Yeah, that's shocking. She arguably came in as maybe the hottest American signing on the women's division and they haven't utilized her at a takeover. That's really surprising. But yeah, I think I think that would be a good way of establishing Candace a little bit more as her own character because as I've said multiple times before, she still comes across as Mrs. Johnny Gargano. Mm-hmm. And she needs to have her own character and her own like drive and her, her other people's motivation to want to see her win beyond the fact that people like her because of what she did on the Indies or the fact that she is married to Gargano or the fact that she's just a nice person. There needs to be more behind it than that. And having a feud with Io Shirai would be a good way of establishing her more. I kind of think she's going to go with Bel Air afterward, but we'll see. Who knows? We'll figure it out a couple weeks from now and sort that kind of stuff out. Speaking of Belair, do you think Belair kind of becomes like a Becky where she gets, she's really featured on NXT, but she never wins the belt? Kind of seems like that at the point, at this point, but maybe if they end up giving it to Candace and Belair sticks around long enough, maybe Belair's the one that takes it from her. I guess we don't know if there's a push right now to not bring anybody up. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it could change in two days. It could be a completely different story. Yeah, I imagine like a lot of people are kind of digging their claws in right now. At least that's what I'd be doing. So they, after this, put up a little thing saying that they were announcing another event because we don't have enough pay-per-views, of course. And it's going to be NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff. This is the second NXT UK TakeOver of the year. Which kind of coincides that they would do one at the beginning of the year, one towards like the third quarter of the year, and balance it out that way a little bit. And it's going to be on August 31st at 3 p.m. Eastern. So that means there's a little bit of a gap, maybe, between that and All Out, depending on when All Out starts and their pre show. So if this is two hours long, there might be a two hour gap. From the end of NXT TakeOver UK and well, the start of All Out? Typically speaking, NXT events are two and a half hours. Yeah, I mean, this one was 7 to 9.30. So if this starts at 3, they end at 5.30. That gives you more than enough time, which is really good. But still, that's going to be one hell of a pain in the ass week. Because imagine, that week we're going to do NXT predictions, All Out predictions... NXT coverage, not be able to do a post-show, probably, and then do that whole stuff with All Out and whatever. And you and do a post-show of both. 
uh, I have no idea how we're going to balance that out, but we have a month and a half to figure that out. Sort of uh, two months, I guess. It's June first. I'm realizing what my date is again, and uh, uh, my brain. Uh, yeah. So no matches announced for this takeover event, but I assume that pretty soon they're going to be doing those next set of tapings, and we're going to start to figure that out a little bit after that. But uh, what are you guys thinking about the idea of another UAK takeover event? Well, they need him. So, yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, if you're going to have the brand, you have to keep the takeovers fresh to keep it in everybody's mind. As far as the matches, I'm of the belief that since they're going kind of head-to-head with All Out, that they need a big main event, whether that's Pete Dunne and Walter in a cage or... British Strong Style and Imperium in a War Games. I don't think that'll happen, but I'm just saying they need a real big attraction. They need something more than just Pete Dunne gets another singles match against Walter. Even though that is like the biggest match that they've had so far and all that, they've already done the rematch. And that's not going to be the type of thing that makes people go, oh my god, I have to see that. Fuck all out. It's not going to happen. It is kind of funny though that they booked it on the same day as that. And I'm curious if they had that planned or if this is one of those things where they're just like, let's see what happens and let's put our D brand into the mix and, you know, kind of track it. I don't know. I think they probably had the UK takeover scheduled and all out came and you know threw their schedule off guard. Yeah, I, I don't think in an in an ideal situation, I don't think either one is was determined on the other one. Like obviously they didn't announce this one until now, but I think they probably were planning to do it on that kind of day and have decided to stick with it. And it's not too much like. I think it's more of a case of, yes, they want, obviously, viewers on it, and if they do it beforehand of All Out, it shouldn't affect how many people view it. And they're also doing it for a predominantly UK audience anyway, so. Yeah, they're not doing it at three just because, oh, we got to get it in before All Out. Right. They're doing it at three because it's eight o'clock UK time. Yeah, and that's very convenient because, man, if they would have booked a regular takeover event, it would have been at night. (laughs) It wouldn't have worked out all that well. That's kind of funny. Uh, what did we go from there? That was uh, the main event then, at that point, the NXT oh, Championship. Should mention also that uh, Stephanie McMahon was in the audience. Uh, yeah. Yeah, what do you think audience. she's going to debut on NXT? <laughs> well, I think the more interesting thing was uh, sitting just a couple of seats away from Stephanie McMahon was Britt Baker. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> kind of funny. Uh, Sean Ross had her took on a, a Twitter photo of her, so that's how I noticed her, and she had a really... She didn't. She was looking at Stephanie in a really kind of off way. <laughs> it's just like... That's fun. Okay, yeah, you're getting the line light. I'm about to watch my, my man wrestle, that kind of thing. Hmm. Are you surprised we didn't see anything with the 24-7 title here? A, a no. little bit. Um, it, it's across all brands, so I'm a little surprised that... Maybe maybe they suggested it and Triple H just went, 
no, this is actually important. So I don't think that anybody even thought about it for a split second. I think that this 24-7 title is quite literally somebody just said, why don't we do the 24-7 thing from the hardcore title? And then they said, sure, figure it out. Wouldn't it be funny if people ran around backstage? R-Truth will do it. And that they have no plans whatsoever to do it on anything other than Raw and SmackDown. Look at what they did with the women's tag titles. They had Bailey and Sasha Banks go down one night to say, we haven't forgotten about NXT. We're NXT UK. And then they've done literally nothing with it since then. There hasn't because been how a single... Cool would it have been for two of the four horsewomen to go? And then I really don't think they had a plan for those titles. They probably just said, Iconics winning will be a cool mania moment for them. And we're all about moments. And we'll figure it out. Next time we need a title match. I feel like they forgot about it already. And this 24-7 thing is not a priority. So I, if we go through all of 2019 and there's the 24-7 title on anything other than Raw and SmackDown, like if it pops up legitimately on 205 Live instead of just Jake Maverick saying, oh, I think I saw our truth backstage... If a title changes hands on 205 Live, if they pop up in any regard in NXT or NXT UK, I'll be completely shocked. But yeah. it'd be cool. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, like I say, you probably shouldn't hold, hold your breath for it. Yeah. So the NXT Championship match was Adam Cole against Jenny Gargano. Started off with Josiah Williams doing the entrance for Adam Cole. I like that quite a bit. That must have been really cool for him. Yeah, I feel uh, sometimes these uh, musical performances can come across quite cringy. He he looked like he was really into it, and he knew all his lines and he was keeping the beat really well. So yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a really good a really good performance. Yeah, he did a pretty good job. He's actually on my list right now as potentially my favorite celebrity appearance of the year for my end of the year awards notes. So well, he's working mind, everybody. for them. Hmm? He's working for them. What do you mean? He's I mean, everybody's like working. their new social media producer or something. Oh, he is? Yeah, he got a job like WrestleMania weekend, I think. Huh. Totally over my head. Didn't know. Thought he was just a rapper. <laughs> uh, I had a note for Double or Nothing that I feel I need to bring up during this, which was Super Kick City. And my issue with Double or Nothing was every match was Super Kick, Super Kick, Super Kick. And this match was Super Kick, Super Kick, Super Kick. I feel like if we would have had twice as many matches and this event would have gone on longer, like Double or Nothing, it would have gotten bothersome. Because during this match, it was a little bit bothersome for me where I was just like, all right, pretty much every move is a Super Kick. But I still think that this match, even though it had a little bit of a rough start to it, not rough, but like it didn't quite start off as perfectly amazing, still ended up being a rock-solid match and my second favorite match of the night. Big, big fan of it. I like that Adam Cole won. I like that he won clean because, relatively speaking, I mean, if you win nothing clean, then you don't look like a strong champion. And this worked out. Really well, I think. I um, I thought the match was excellent, as you'd expect between these two. Um, 
Palmy is a little disappointed with the result. Not because I don't think Adam Cole will be a great champion, because I'm sure he will be. And the way they actually led up to that thing with so many false finishes and close moments where the crowd was pretty much exhausted by the time it had gone to the end because there'd been so many close moments. Uh, they, that was pretty much the best way you could get around doing it. Uh, but I think that the issue was if Gargano's title reign was only ever going to end at this point, and he might be, and like you say, the injury might have an effect of it. So if it was taken out of their hands, then so be it. That's fair enough. But even if it if it was going to always end at this point and Cole was going to take the title, they probably shouldn't have given the title to Gargano in the first place and had Cole win it in um in New York instead. But other than that, it was a, the next match. Like we don't know if this was the planned finish or if it was like okay he's really injured we can't keep the belt on him we'll make sure that he can go for takeover but it has to go on to adam cole yeah i mean i at the end of the day it's it's a decision which i'm not going to complain about too much it's just a case of uh it just feels like especially with what gargano's done for NXT and all that time, the fact that his title reign ends after five or six weeks and he hasn't really done anything with it, it feels a little underwhelming. Yeah, but if you think about it, based off of the way that previous champions have been, they've really only retained for maybe two. Like, McIntyre had it only one, right? He lost it at the very next one to Andrade. Yep. And I'm trying to remember, like, uh, Neville had it for, like, the first two that he had won it lost it to Sami Zayn who lost it at the very next one to Kevin Owens Owens lost it like two events later I think to Finn Balor he lost it about he he lost it eventually to Joe Joe lost it uh they did the whole switch with him doing the whole like back and forth uh Nakamura like there's kind of a precedent that people don't last super long as champion no, but I thought Gargano would be different just because of his legacy. I think if they would have been able to do the Tomasa Ciampa match, and obviously if Gargano wouldn't have gotten injured, I think that he would have had a long reign. Yeah, I think they probably would have. They probably would have had the him defeat Ciampa and then have the match with have a first match with Adam Cole where he won and then lost it to Adam Cole in the rematch or something like that. I could have seen them doing something more along the lines of like he beats Ciampa at Takeover New York, holds it until the very next year takeover. Like uh that's when like the crowning of the undisputed era is or I don't know, but we're talking about scenarios that didn't happen, so I think that there was never a plan for him to win the title and then lose it so quickly, and it just happened to be that that's how the cards fell and everything that I don't feel really all that bad about it i think that gargano is very much in the chase and now that he's had that chase he's won the title they did that whole like homecoming and taking the belt back to his old training facility and everything kind of got what you wanted out of it and if he doesn't win it again i think it'll be strange but if he wins it again a month or two or and that month a month from now is not even another takeover event but uh 
I don't know. I, I feel fine with uh, Gargano. And I'm glad that Cole's champion, too. I'm so happy that Adam Cole's champion. He took a long time to get it. When you think about the rate that some people come in and immediately at least get a shot at the title, Cole's first shot at the title was New York, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, it might have been. Yeah. So we had he had a title match against uh, Drew McIntyre on right, a live and event. Like a house show, maybe. Yeah, but it was a, it was a, it was a taped live event, so okay. it, it did it didn't end up on TV. But but still, yeah. he's been out of the title picture for such a long time, which is shocking because, in spite of that, the undisputed era were still the anchor and focal point of the brand. So this is perfect. I feel like it's where it needs to be right now. And who's to say Johnny Gargano doesn't get it back by Tampa? You know? So who are you guys thinking is going to be the next challenger? Is that where Roderick Strong comes in? I Yeah, well, I think this has accelerated the, um, the split of Undisputed Era. The fact that you could have in the tapings coming forward, Adam Cole saying, I got the job done and I did it all by myself. Beat him clean in the middle of the ring where you three all dropped the ball. Because Kyle Riley and Bobby Fish didn't win the titles and uh, Roderick Strong lost to Matt Riddle. And I think they they get pissed off and they turn on him. And I think that the inclination will be that because Cole is the one who's essentially abusing them for losing their matches when he managed to win, is meant to portray him as the heel, but the crowd love him so much that they'll make him the baby face. And so you're thinking the other three kind of stick together and yeah. Cole is the one who goes off on his own? Yeah. That Cole hmm. becomes a baby face on his own. And we have Roderick as like the, the de facto leader of the new Undisputed Era. But they're all kind of like pretty much on level pegging. And then you have Roderick Strong as one of the next challengers for the title. But inevitably, it will be Matt Riddle who will be the next champion. See, that's where I think that there's no babyface turn for anybody coming in the mix there. Because I think that they're just going to maybe do another Gargano match in the future for TakeOver Toronto, maybe somebody else gets in the mix somewhere. I don't know really who, but I think it's just pretty much as clear-cut as Matt Riddle's the next champ, whenever it happens. Yeah, but I still think there's going to be the turn, because I think that that's just like my, the way that I would do it. I, I can't say for it with any sort of certainty. It could be completely wrong, but the way I would do it is you have that situation, and then you have Matt Riddle eventually turn heel and become the new leader of Undisputed Era. As as like, essentially like I was saying earlier, you've got three fighters and you've got a wrestler. So you add the fighter to the group of fighters and you have the wrestler stand on his own. And Adam yeah. and let's let's face it, Adam Cole should be a babyface. The crowd treats him as a babyface. They're gonna react to him as a babyface no matter how he behaves. So and the other three could still make it as solid heels. So why not like Unleash the lightning in the bottle and just let Adam Cole become your top babyface. I think that all depends on how hurt 
Gargano is. I, I, we could get another Gargano Cole match. I'm thinking we go with Riddle, but I also have it in my head that maybe they don't do the breakup so directly, but that Roderick Strong wins a title opportunity and then that build-up just inevitably splits the group with Roddy going solo. I I do inevitably see this situation of Cole being the only one that won playing into things going forward. Whether it does initiate a split immediately or down the road, essentially Cole is going to harp on about the fact that he... the the because he won clean and won on his own, that has to be there has to be a reason for that. Did you find it interesting that they did the spot where he's literally calling them down and they don't show up? That is another thing I think they could use. It's like, well, I was calling you. Where the hell were you guys? Yeah. See, I think that that's where this is going to come into play over the next set of tapings, where they're going to institute this idea of you need to prove yourself and you need to win some gold because I said that we were going to win all the gold and I did my part. You go out and you do yours. And then that's where I think as much as it's a happy moment for the street profits to win, I think that they lose. And I think that Velvet dream, uh, Velveteen dream, Velvet dream. What the hell? What am I fucking merging them together? Uh, Velveteen dream loses as well. And we've got enough weeks that we can set up this idea that if Gargano was injured enough that he wasn't wrestling and they just had him come out, lose this match and whatever, if he needs more time off, Velveteen Dream loses the belt to Roderick Strong. Velveteen Dream challenges Adam Cole at the next takeover. Maybe Tyler Breeze is the one that fights Roderick Strong for the North American title. Or Keith Lee fights Roderick Strong. And Street Profits get a sing not a singles match, but they get a one on one with uh the Undisputed Era for the tag titles. Shayna Baszler gets her whole follow up of Io Shirai on takeover, uh on um television, and then we set up the Mia Yim thing. And I think that that's where we're kinda going. Just because you can have Velveteen Dream get out of the way, Kushida can be another challenger, Keith Lee can be a challenger. And that gives you plenty of time for Gargano to heal up and even Ciampa to heal up. I like everything you said, except you left out Matt Riddle. Because I think Matt Riddle comes in next year at WrestleMania. He... Not not like he waits until he doesn't appear on TakeOver in the meantime. I don't think that. But like maybe Matt Riddle has a different match at another uh, this next TakeOver. Maybe it's like Matt Riddle against... Um, I don't know. Damian Priest. He teased being on Raw Monday, but I, I know you can't put any stock in social media teases, but he no, really he... harps on the whole, I'm going to fight Brock Lesnar at some point. Credit to him. He's really trying to push that over, and I hope that they listen and you just have him do it. Well, as long as, they, as long as they have him beat Lesnar. Yeah. Because yeah. he can't just keep doing that and then lose to Lesnar. Because <laughs> then he might as well have not done it in the first place. I I do understand the like the idea of having them like having to prove themselves. I just think they they do that sort of thing where they do challenge the Street Profits and Roderick Strong does challenge Velveteen Dream. 
but in my mind they come up short. And then Cole gets in their face even more about it and says, you don't deserve to wear the the badge or anything along those lines. And then they get pissed off and turn on him. Hmm. Why can't I just have a happy stable? <laughs> um, well, why? Because you're a wrestling fan. Well, well, damn and, and, and also things have to change eventually. And that's part of the reason why like, I don't, I hope Gargano's out for a long time because I definitely don't hope that he's out for a long time, but I don't want him and Adam Cole always being in the main event of these shows. They're great matches all the time, but you got to freshen things up every now and again. Like two shows in a row of them having it, it's like, yeah, let's, let's move on to something else and then maybe revisit it a couple of, like two or three takeovers down the line if that's where the chips are falling at that point in time. Not just throw it on because, oh shit, we don't have anyone else we could put in the main event. You've got tons of people you could put in the main event. There you go, Kona Reeves. It's your time. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> well, we'll figure out what happens with the next takeover over the course of the next few weeks when we do all of our usual coverage on smartoutmoment.com of all the TV tapings and everything else like that. So stay tuned for that stuff on smartoutmoment.com. And while you're clicking on different things on different parts of the website and stuff, make sure that you follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Smartout Moment, and you check out the Tee Public and the Redbubble shops for the merchandise side of things. Hit up that Patreon if you got some spare change you want to toss our way. Check out fanboysanonymous.com for everything that I've got up on there. Uh, tomorrow morning, you will be seeing a post that I had been promising to write up in a while, but the first of what I hope is going to be a series called Ending the Marvel Universe. And I finally got 10 minutes to write that up today. So that's another new thing there. And uh, crap, this week, uh, was it Dark Phoenix comes out? So that's another thing to keep in mind. And we're going to start getting into, obviously, the hot tags are coming up next for this channel. And then we've got Super Showdown coming up. So we got the post show and the predictions to go along with that. Not in that order, because obviously it makes no sense. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, things are happening. Lots of things happening right now. So just keep clicking around and keep following us and liking us and sharing us and doing all the other kind of stuff like that. And it is all going to be greatly appreciated, everybody. I am done with my plugs on my side. So, Callum, what do you want to toss out there? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at weekmeister14. And you can check out the power rankings on Smartcat Moment, as well as all the other weekly stuff on the website. I'm also currently working on an article related to NXT TakeOver 25 where I'm ranking the top 25 NXTs in order. Obviously, there has been only NXT, 25 NXT TakeOvers, so I'm going to just rank them from 25 down to 1. Uh, of course, that is only my opinion, and you're more than welcome to disagree with it, but only after you've read the article and let me know what you think. Uh, so that hopefully that'll be live in the next couple of days after hearing this, so keep checking out the website for that. And 2001 A Wrestling Odyssey, check out all the episodes we have on the YouTube channel or on podcasts, however you're listening to us. Uh, episodes for January, February, March, April, May, special on WrestleMania X7, me and Rob, and occasionally Tony, just delving back, going back through history in the year 2001. And that's it for me, so pass it over to Rob. Alright, and for me, you can check out Instagram and Twitter at DudeFelice. Check out E-Wrestling News. I was posting news there most of tonight. You can check out The Ring Report, WrestleZone.com. I'm on their Facebook Monday through Thursday at 5 p.m. 
answering live questions about people asking whether or not AEW is going to invade WWE. Uh, outside of that, because we don't have enough going on, I believe me and Callum next week may be reviewing New Japan's Dominion, which will feature Chris Jericho and Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP title, and maybe some John Moxley talk. So stay tuned to that. Stay tuned to the Sparkout Moment, and you're all beautiful. <laughs> yes, uh, thank you for all your support, everybody, and thank you for leaving your comments below and telling us what you think of what we think of TakeOver 25 and what you think of TakeOver 25 or anything else you leave a comment with below, unless it's something like, this isn't the movie, because, hey, do that on Fanboys. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you next time everybody with the hot tags for now that'll do us so in though this has been another smart out moment and we're being counted out oh!